Welcome back to our series called Emotions. And let's just be honest, it's been, it's been an emotional week in our country, hasn't it? It's been an emotional week. Those of us who believe, and I would put myself certainly in this category, those of us who believe that the Word of God teaches that abortion is morally wrong, I think that, that we would hopefully describe this week, as, as far as emotions go, as, as hopeful. If, if you could categorize a, an emotion as hopeful, uh, hopeful in the sense that uh, states, if, if indeed, if indeed uh, this holds up and Roe v. Wade is uprooted, it means that states will be able to limit, restrict abortion. Uh, we have to understand, though, that abortion isn't going away. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not going to go away. So I say that so that we all understand collectively that the way uh, that this ends is through the hearts of people changing. And we have to keep that in mind, and we have to keep praying. Uh, we need to be hopeful and, and praise God that the pendulum seems like it is swinging back in some ways. However, we cannot stop praying. We have to keep praying over this, uh, and we have to keep sharing the love of Jesus and the gospel with people uh, because ultimately this, this moral issue doesn't change until the hearts of people change. Does that make sense? Okay. Hopefully, too, as you continue to pray, we will continue to support organizations like Precious Life. So I do hope that all of those bottles uh, are gone by today, and they all come back filled, and, and we'll keep supporting organizations like that. And um, thanks for participating. I'm also aware, I'm sure you are too, there are emotions on the other side of this moral issue, right? You get that. I'm sure you've seen it. And the emotions that I saw this week on the other side of that moral issue, I would categorize into two different emotions, anger and anxiety. Two emotions that, if we were just being brutally honest with ourselves, two emotions that have been growing in intensity over the last few years throughout the country. I personally, as I watch these things nationally, globally, I personally believe that these emotions are most likely this summer going to intensify, perhaps even erupt, because... This is a big deal. This, uh, this court case is a big deal. There's about three other ones coming in the next month and a half that look like they're going to move towards a conservative viewpoint, and uh, there's going to be more anger and more anxiety. So we continue to pray. Uh, we continue to pray over these things. But I've noticed that there's been a lot of anger, a lot of anxiety that has been building uh, throughout, throughout the country. And could we just own the fact that it's touched us too, as Christians, that those emotions have touched us, and we haven't always, maybe throughout the last several years, we haven't always dealt with those emotions maybe the best? Next week, we're going to talk about anger. Today, we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about anxiety. According to the National Center for Health, 
in 2019, if we go back to 2019, about 8.2% of adults struggled with some form of anxiety disorder. Right? So that's a severe, a severe form of anxiety, about 8.2%. That was in July of 2019. One year later, July of 2020, remember that year? That was fun. July of 2020, it went from 8.2 in one year to 36% of adults struggling with some form of anxiety disorder. That's a huge jump. That's what we would call statistically significant. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, yes, that's a real, a real thing, and they, they, they study exactly what their name claims. They study anxiety, they study depression, and according to their research, get this, 25%, I think this is pretty current within this last uh, year, 25% of students between the ages of 13 and 18 uh, are struggling with anxiety disorders, 25%. Guys, that's, that's not just significant, that's heartbreaking that a quarter of our students, and that's disorders, like that's at the level, that's, that's at the level of I'm having a hard time functioning. That's not even just the ones uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah, I can function. Just, it's heartbreaking. So this is an important issue. And just to make sure that we all are talking about the same thing we, when we're addressing the issue of anxiety, anxiety is defined as a disturbed state of mind, an uneasiness, or a nervousness that affects the whole body. When we are experiencing fear, because ultimately anxiety is a form of fear that comes from stress, it can come from being afraid, it can come from just uh, being under pressure, and what causes those things? Well, it could be that your schedule is way too full, that you do not have enough margin in your schedule for rest. It can come when we face fears of the unknown Something that is outside of our control. We like to have control, don't we? And when we don't have control, we don't know what's coming. Oftentimes that stress, that uh, fear of the unknown can move hearts into a place of anxiety where uh, we begin to imagine the worst case scenario. We, instead of sleeping, play the what if game all night long doesn't just affect sleep, it can affect our appetite, it can rob us of joy in life. It's the whole person that is affected by anxiety. And I just recognize that uh, some of you sitting here today are like, I'm going to take a nap because this isn't my thing, right? Okay, so anxiety might not be your thing, it might not be your emotional struggle. And it's not mine, it's not typically mine either. I will say this, that when I look back to the summer of 2020, that was a season of fear and anxiety in my heart. Just be honest with you, when I was watching cities on fire, 
And then there was a group of people headed to Bedford. When that was happening, uh, there was fear and anxiety in my heart over how am I going to deal with that if it gets, I mean, Bedford's 30 minutes away, right? The middle of nowhere. What? You remember. This emotion is not the one that I typically battle with. We'll get to that one next week, anger. If there's an emotion that I go toe-to-toe with and battle with on a more regular basis, not every day. I don't, go, I don't walk around angry all the time. But, but if there's an emotion that I have a tendency to have to do battle with, for me, that's, it's the emotion of anger not anxiety. So I just recognize that maybe anxiety is not your biggest struggle in life, but I guarantee you know someone who is struggling with anxiety and they desperately want to know how to have freedom from it. You know someone like that. So here we go. You ready? Here it is, the solution to anxiety. You ready? First Peter 5-7, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. There you go. We're done. We can just go home now. Simple as that. I say that tongue-in-cheek because sometimes uh, that's what we as Christians do. Someone's really struggling, and, and, and we just kind of throw a verse at it. And think that, oh, well, just, just read this verse and that's the end of it and, and you'll be fine. And, and the person who's really struggling with anxiety reads that and, and they might even agree with, with, the, with the verse up here, right? And like, that, that wasn't helpful to me at all. I just, I absolutely believe, you, you, read, you read that verse, I, I absolutely believe in the gospel-centered truth of this verse. This is absolutely true. And I'm going to land back on this verse when we're done today. Sometimes people experience anxiety, and it's complicated because there are mental health issues that sometimes uh, go along with why they feel that way. Sometimes there is abuse or trauma in their past that just doesn't go away, and it's just always with them. And sometimes there, there is just a need for professional help, professional counseling in people's lives. And listen, it's okay. It is okay to ask for help. There's a lot of really terrible commercials on TV, but there's one I, I kind of like. There's, there's a commercial for uh, there's a guy who's bench pressing at the gym, and he's got... Now, it's 315 pounds. I know that, right? It's, he's got three plates on each side. That's a lot of weight, and it's just sitting on his chest. And a guy comes over and says, you need some help? And his response is, no, I, I don't need any help. Clearly, he can't get it off his own chest. No, I don't need any help. He's like, dude, it's fine. I, I, there's no shame in getting some help. He's like, you don't know my family. Have you seen this commercial? 
it's really good. It's really well done. And I think the point is very clear. If you need, if you need help, then there's no shame in just asking for help. Get the help. If we can help, let us know. Let the, one of the pastors know. And, and if we can help, if it's beyond our capabilities, then we'll find some referrals to get you the help that you need. Sometimes anxiety can be a complicated thing in people's lives. And I think here's why, why it's so important that we are together today in this place to talk about it here. Because it's not just a physical thing. It's not just a mental thing. It absolutely is a spiritual thing. There is a, a very powerful spiritual truth that we cannot ignore when we are talking about anxiety. If all we deal with is the, is the mental and the physical and we ignore the spiritual, and we, we, it's going to be tough, if not impossible, to really have a, a genuine long-term solution if we are ignoring the spiritual. The Cleveland, the Cleveland Clinic published an article about 10, 10 ways to ease stress so that it doesn't become something as severe as anxiety. And there's good stuff in, in the article about your diet and your exercise routine. Uh, there's some interesting things about... I, I, I wasn't expecting this when I read the article, but they talked about defining your values, defining your values and then living by them. I thought that was interesting. Uh, and, and relaxation techniques and those types of things, counseling. But what was absent from the article, which you might expect, I mean, it's Cleveland Clinic, uh, what was absent from the article was any mention of prayer, any mention of anything spiritual. And I'm not saying that those other things have no value. I believe that they do. I'm saying that they're not complete. Our mind, our body, our soul are all connected. And the, and the Word of God reveals this to us. It, it, it teaches us that this is true. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it'll be on the screen for you. Paul writes, therefore, I, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? So we're addressing the body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable act or your spiritual act of worship. So we already have Paul addressing the body and the spiritual in this verse. And he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Body, spirit, mind, all connected. And when we surrender our whole self to the will of God, Paul says, then you'll be able to know the will of God, God's good, perfect, pleasing will. You have to surrender your whole self, your mind, your body, your spirit. It's not, it's not God's will that we just believe and agree to a set of facts about Jesus that we can put in order and then just do whatever we want with our bodies. Like, okay, I agree of all these things you're talking about, Jesus. I can put them all in order. He did this. He did this. Okay, I agree to it all, but then I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's not God's will. 
It's not God's will that we uh, just exercise and eat healthy and then fill our minds with whatever filth the world wants to feed us. If anxiety is, as we've defined it, an intense emotional fear that starts in the mind, yes, we need a transformed mind. But how are we going to have a transformed mind apart from a transformed soul? It's about the whole person surrendering to Jesus. That's what that passage is teaching us. And say, I say all of that to say this. I believe that the Word of God teaches that what, what Jesus has to offer us when dealing with anxiety, yeah, it's important, but it's not just important. I would argue it is of first importance. I would argue that what we're talking about today is of greatest importance, that it is foundational. All these other things that we talk about in dealing with stress and anxiety, I think they have value but I think what we're talking about on the spiritual level is of first importance and foundational. And if it gets pulled out, I don't see how we have great long-term success with just the other things. I think what we're talking about today matters to people's lives. And I think what we have to offer when it comes to the gospel and the transforming power of the gospel is, is absolutely essential to this conversation about anxiety. You know, the, the original version of this sermon that uh, Pastor Craig Grishel put together for Life Church, uh, he, he looked at Mark chapter 14, and we're going to do the same thing. If you go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. What I loved about what he did. Uh, with this topic is he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is where we're going to go in Mark chapter 14, and he pulled out or identified uh, three very practical observations about how Jesus responded to anxiety. And so I'm going to share those three things. I'm going to obviously preach it from my heart, but... Uh, I think that when we go to the Garden of Gethsemane together today, some of you are, are going to be maybe a little surprised or maybe even unnerved or unsettled with the fact that Jesus experienced anxiety. I wonder how that hits you. I'm like, well, that can't be right. Uh, Jesus, anxiety, that, that can't be right. All right, how about let's go to Mark chapter 14. And look at verse 32. So they went to the, the olive grove, this garden called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And listen, he became deeply troubled and distressed. Deeply troubled and distress. And I wonder, hearing that, how that hits you. Maybe it surprises you. Maybe you imagine Jesus as, as unflappable and emotionally bulletproof. Maybe when you read that, it unsettles you. And you're like, if Jesus experienced anxiety, 
how in the world am I going to get through life and not experience anxiety? For me, when I read that, I, I find it comforting. I told you how I experienced anxiety in the summer of 2020, but I also need you to know this. At the same time I was experiencing that emotion, I was also experiencing tremendous guilt over the fact that I was feeling anxious. I remember thinking, if faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain... What's wrong with my faith? My faith must be as small as the molecules that make up the mustard seed. I must be the world's worst Christian, the world's worst pastor. I'm waking up at 2 a.m. and I'm wondering and thinking, how am I going to protect my family from a bunch of lunatics? And Not just anxiety, guilt. And then I... I look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You step into that moment in Jesus' life. What does he know? He knows that one of his disciples is actively betraying him in that moment. He knows he's about to be arrested. He knows that his friends are about to bail on him. He's going to be put through a sham trial. He's going to be tortured with whips and fists and nailed to a cross, the most painful, humiliating way to die. He knows he's going to become sin for us. A substitute sacrifice. Every disgusting sin you can possibly think of placed on Jesus and there's this moment where it feels like to him that he's been abandoned by his father. He knows that's coming. No wonder Jesus felt deeply distressed and troubled. Wonder he sweat drops of blood, which is a real thing that happens under intense stress. So I, I take comfort in knowing that Jesus has felt the emotional stress of anxiety because I can believe 1 Peter 5, 7 is absolutely true, that I can throw all of my anxiety on Jesus because he cares for me, because he gets it. It's not just an, an empathy that Jesus feels towards us. No, it's a loving compassion from one who's been there, from one who knows what it feels like. To experience anxiety. And it's not just that I feel comfort in knowing that, that Jesus has been there and that he's felt it. I feel comfort knowing that he overcame it. And that's what we're going to look at today. Not only has Jesus been in, in stressful places and, and places of, of anxiety in his, in his emotions, but he's, we're going to see today he overcame it. And that brings me great comfort. How did Jesus respond to anxiety? We're going to look at three 
Three things that Jesus did. They all have to do with Jesus talking. Here's the first thing that we notice in this record from, from Mark. First thing we see is that he talked to his friends. In Mark 14, 32, it says they, they all, the, he and the disciples, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. He became deeply troubled and distressed, and he told them, listen to what he says to his friends, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. That's pretty honest, right? That's pretty brutally honest that Jesus is sharing his, his emotions with his friends. He was he was open and honest and asked them to pray for him. So thankful for faithful friends in my life. Friends who love Jesus, friends who love me. What a difference it makes when, when you walk through something stressful or when you're afraid, uh, when you feel uh, the emotion of anxiety, what a difference it makes to be able to go and talk to a good friend about it. I have the opportunity uh, to, to work out with Pastor Caleb. A couple times a week we get together and work out. And uh, recently he had to go away for a week for training. And so I was by myself that week. And I went to the, went to the gym and it didn't take as long, and so when I was leaving, you, when you go to work out, you meet people who are there, and, and you, you kind of have different relationships or whatever, and there was several of them that said to me, you done already, as if it's their business, right? You done already, and it kind of hit me, yeah, I, I, guess I, I guess I am done already, and the thing was, I got just as much, in fact, I think I got more work in than I normally do, and then it hit me, oh, I know why it takes so long when I'm with, with uh, Caleb. It's because we do more of this than we do of this. And it's true. I mean, there are days, and we do, we get, we get a good workout in, but there are days when it's just good to be with a friend that you can talk to and that you can share your heart with. And and uh, we can share openly the things happening in our families or in ministry. And uh, it's just good to have faithful friends that, that you know love you and that you can trust. I hope you have that. My, my sister, Michelle, went with me to Dubois last week to watch my son play volleyball. And that's an hour and a half away, right? So... An hour and a half there, hour and a half back, you got the game. My sister did a lot of talking. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. We, we, just, we, we, we had wonderful conversation the entire time. It wasn't just her. We, we just had wonderful conversation. Uh, the, the traveling went by like that because just we were able to talk. And, uh, at one point, now I want you to picture this. At one point, though, the conversation, and I don't even know how we got here at this part of the conversation. At one point, 
it turned to this moment in her life, like we were just reminiscing or whatever, and, and she started talking about this moment in her life that, that she experienced. It was a season of her life where she experienced tremendous sorrow and anxiety. Now, I want you to picture you got two grown adults sitting in a volleyball game weeping, right? This is the, this is the scene. And uh, she asked me, do you remember what you, what you said to me during that time? I don't, I don't remember. And we talked about it. And it doesn't matter what I said, okay? It really doesn't. Uh, what mattered to her as we were talking through that and trying not to embarrass ourselves in, in public with all the crying... What, what mattered to her in that season of her life is that I was present in her season of sorrow. Do you get that? That I, was, that I was there in the room with her when she needed someone to talk to and just bear her heart. Do you have someone like that in your life? Do you have... Do you have faithful Christian friends? Listen, this is really important. You, you might have friends. Let's say you've got friends that you can, you can be honest with and you can share your problems and your worries and your fears and your anxieties with. That's good. But do you have friends that will point you to Jesus? Do you have friends that when you open up your heart to them will point you back to the truth of God's word and give you counsel that aligns with the word of God? Do you have friends like that? Because that matters. If not, maybe you need some different friends. You're like, I don't have any friends because I'm weird or whatever. If you, don't, if you don't have friends in your life, could I just suggest this to you? There's some pretty great people in this room that I've come to love and respect and just appreciate being around and... Uh, I think you'd do well to, to get to meet some people in this room and just make some friends. You can do that by uh, being part. It's hard on a Sunday morning, you know, because this is what happens. You come in, and it's super easy. You just come in. How are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. How was your week? It was fine. How was your week? Oh, it was fine. And that's it. Super easy to do that. It's, it's sometimes harder to go a little deeper than that. I'm just telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it to go deeper than that with people. There's some great people in this room. If you need some friends, you might want to start here. Start looking here. Talk to your friends. Second thing we notice that Jesus did is he talked to his father. You read on, so he says to his friends, he, he just kind of bears his emotions to them, my soul was crushed with, the grief, with grief to the point of death. Verse 35, he went on a little farther, fell to the ground, and what's he do? He prayed. He prayed. If it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by him. This is the prayer. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Then he says, yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. What an honest prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, 
It's a familiar passage when we talk about anxiety. It addresses the issue directly. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Hmm. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Verse 7 is super important. Don't miss this. Then, if you do that, if you, if you make a choice that if I'm, if I'm feeling anxious about something, I'm going to pray about it, I'm going to take it to the Father and pray about it. The, the result of that, according to verse 7, you will experience God's peace. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say if you pray about it, it will immediately be fixed. It doesn't say that. If you pray about it, it will resolve it will be resolved in 24 hours. Doesn't say that. You pray about it, you will experience God's peace as you go through it. Look at how this peace is described. This kind of peace that comes from God exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. Against what? Against the attacks of anxiety and fear and stress. Guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you see how it's gospel-centered? Our faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel. This, is, this gospel message of faith in Christ for salvation, yes, but it's faith in Jesus to give us the strength and the peace that we need to walk through stressful, anxiety-type situations. And we have that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, because of our faith in His resurrection power you know anxiety is kind of like that red warning light that comes on in your car super annoying when that comes on i know and 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 sometimes it's like uh, and sometimes it's like oh no but that little red light that comes on and you look at it that light's not the problem is it like it's not that's not what needs fixed like, oh, that light's on, we need to fix that light. No, that light's on, letting you know that there's a problem somewhere in the car. Could be in your engine, could be the airbag. There's something, could be one of those stupid sensors that we all like, ah, sensors. There's something wrong in the car, and the red light lets you know you need to take your car, it's time to take your car to the mechanic. And anxiety is like a signal. It's a warning light. There is a problem. It's time to pray. I love this, this quote from uh, Craig Rochelle. It's out of the original version. He, he says this, If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Isn't that good? If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. What are you worried about today? What, what is it that is causing you to feel anxious? Is it your marriage? Is it, is it something in, in your world of parenting? Is it the economy? Something with your job? Is it health-related? Is, is it the political tension? Is it the... Is, the, the fear of what's happening around the world. Maybe it's not global for you. Maybe it's, I've got finals this week, and I'm really nervous about it. 
we've got a lot of graduates this year. I think this is probably our biggest class of graduates that we've had come through that I can remember anyway. And I just wonder how many of them are anxious about what's next. Is it college? Is it a job? If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. I, I love this simple prayer that I think is easy to pray every day. From Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. What a simple prayer that we could pray every day. Lord, help me. Search my heart, search my mind if there's something that needs to change, if I'm thinking the wrong way, if there's something in me that I need to repent of. Whatever it is, search me, reveal it to me, and then lead me. In your way, Lord, what a simple, wonderful prayer that we could pray every day. Just asking God to help us. Talk to your friends. Talk to your father. The third thing Jesus did was he talked to his feelings. The end of verse 36, he says to his father, everything's possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Please, if there's another way, I, it wasn't that Jesus was excited about going to the cross. He didn't feel good about that. But he responded to his feelings by saying, yet not my will, but your will, Father. Our culture as a whole, I think, has done a terrible job when it comes to teaching people about emotions and, and uh, how to respond to, to fear and anxiety. Our, our culture, not everyone, but boy, on, on a large scale, has become detached from reality. They have become, in often, often cases, detached from rational thought. So often you see people driven by emotion. And our culture has convinced so many people, you need to avoid pain at all costs. Never, you should never experience pain. Say things like, listen to your heart. What? My heart is wicked and deceitful. Listen to my heart. Our culture believes that we should allow our feelings and our emotions to define truth. You understand that? Your emotions define truth? That your emotions and your feelings should guide your decision-making? That's terrible advice. Think about your own self. Are your emotions always right? Are your emotions always reliable? Are your feelings always tethered to truth? No, and neither are mine. Our feelings may shout at, at us, listen, don't even bother trying. You know you're going to fail anyway. You feel fear shouting at you, don't even try. Was that tethered to truth? Your feelings of insecurity may shout at you. What that student said about you is absolutely true. You are worthless and gross. What? What is? That's not truth. 
God's word is true, and God's word says that you are wonderfully made by God in His image with tremendous value and beauty and purpose that is not tethered to the affirmation of someone else. Our worth and value is connected to and it comes from the affirmation of the love of God who loved us so much he left the glory of heaven to die in our place. Have you ever, you don't have to answer out loud, but have you ever wished that you were more resilient? You ever wished that you had made better choices? Like, okay, that... That was emotionally driven. I, sh- I should have made a more rational decision. Or you ever wish that you had more confidence about who you are and where your life is headed? Then we need to stop allowing our feelings to define us or drive us around. 2 Corinthians 10.5, I put this on the, on the screen for you. We demolish arguments, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. I love that verse. That is incredibly powerful. We can talk to our feelings. We can speak truth to our feelings. We can demand our feelings align with the truth of God. Feel like no one loves you? What's the truth? The truth is God loves you unconditionally. How do we know that? Because the the truth of God's word reveals it to us. That's what God has revealed to us about himself. You feel like you're all alone in this world? Well, tell your feelings that's not true because God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. You feel anxious about what's happening outside of your control? What's the truth? The truth is that God is in total control. There is nothing that escapes his reach. The truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ promises us eternal life through faith in his sacrificial death, the resurrection power of Jesus to forgive us of sin, to make us right with God. What's the practical uh, application of that when it comes to fear? When it comes to something like fear, and and, and the biggest fear that most people have is death. Like, if this turns out and I die, okay, that would be a rough day for sure for a lot of people. But in Jesus and our hope in Christ, fear has no grip on us as believers. If we truly believe that heaven is waiting on the other side of this life because of what Jesus did for us. How did Jesus respond to anxiety? He talked to his friends. He talked to his father. He talked to his feelings. And I want you to see the results. Jesus walked into the garden with a heart of anxiety. But look what happens next. Go to verse 43. We fast forward to the betrayal of Judas in verse 43. One of the 12 disciples Judas arrives with this crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. That's a pretty scary scene. They had been sent by the leading priests, teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You'll know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. 
then you can take him away under guard. And as soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus, said, Rabbi, he exclaimed. He gave him the kiss. Then the guards grabbed Jesus and arrested him. One of the men with Jesus pulled out a sword. We know from another gospel that this was Peter. He struck the high priest slave, slashing his ear. We know that Jesus repaired, right? It's a really cool scene recorded somewhere else. Jesus asked them this. Listen to this. Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day, but these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Jesus went willingly and courageously towards the cross. He didn't run away. He didn't put up a fight. Jesus faced betrayal. He faced an unjust trial. He faced torture. He faced the cross with unbelievable strength and determination. Jesus walked into the garden with an anxious heart, but after he talked to his friends and his father and his feelings, he left the garden fearless. Mind, body, spirit surrendered to the Father's will. I don't know what anxious thoughts you may have brought along with you today. And I, I can't see what lies ahead that may attack your mind and your heart with, with sorrow or with fear or with stress that will want to pull away your heart and your mind from the peace and joy that God wants for your life. I can't see that. But I do know that there is power in the name of Jesus. I know that for sure. I do know that at the very mention of the name of Jesus, that darkness flees and that Satan shudders. I do know that even the whisper of the name of Jesus disintegrates doubts and makes fear sit down. I do know that when we cry out to God in the name of Jesus, the cities may burn and the mountains may crumble and the fists of anger may wave and shake in the fury of evil, and yet we will remain unshaken and unafraid and unashamed because there is power in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every anxious thought can be taken captive and forced to surrender to the one who has defeated sin and death. So yes, we can confidently say, cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. Amen.